Good morning. I invite you all to come and have a seat and, um, and join us. read um, Psalm 67 verses 2 to 7 and I'm going to pray that as, um, as our opening and so I would just ask you that you would bow your heads and uh, just follow along. Dear God, may your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world may the nations praise you O god yes may all the nations praise you then the earth will yield its harvest and god our god will richly bless us yes god will bless us and all people all over the world will fear him amen i'd invite you to stand for the next three songs um, the one in the middle uh, will be a little bit new to some of you. If you don't know it, just enjoy and uh, join in as you can.
be seated. I'll invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Exodus 35. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation. I think Dan has requested it in this version, so um, read along in whichever version you have. And um, so it'll be Exodus 35, 30 to 36, verse 7. Then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of her of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has given both him and Oleb, son of Ashmash, the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread, in fine linen cloth, and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. The Lord has gifted Bezalel, Oleb, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any tasks involved in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oleb and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and they reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command and the message was sent out throughout the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. And so the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I hope all of you that started the week out, weekend out trying to camp uh, are not discouraged by this weather, but it is wonderful to see it. Hopefully a couple more days like this and we'll have dry basements again. That's the prayer. But let's bow now to dismiss little ones to Children's Church. Our dear God, we thank you for each and every one of the little ones in our church in our building right now. God, we pray that as they go to Children's Church, they learn things that will stick with them all their lives, that will teach them new things about you, and that will be a blessing to them. God, we also pray for the teacher. Give them the words to say. In your name we pray these things. Amen. All right, Children's Church, down the hall that way, ages 3 to 11. Now, if you have your bulletins on you, uh, take them on out. Looking at the top of it, prayer meeting, 7 p.m. on Wednesday at the church. Uh, youth Bible study is also going to be at the church at 7.30 to 9.30. 9.45 a.m. Sunday school next week, 10.45 a.m. next uh, Sunday worship service. Uh, next Sunday is also the National Day of Prayer for Camps. Uh, there is pamphlets outlining that that are available to be picked up in the back, these 10 prayer points. Uh, keep those in your hearts uh, as you pray over the week to come. 
Uh, there's also going to be a gospel music afternoon, June 5th uh, at 2 p.m. here at the church in memory of George Rogers. Uh, that is going to be a wonderful time of singing in memory, so come on out for that. Uh, there is also on June 5th the YFC Redemption Ride, uh, the place that you sign up if you want to do the ride yourself. If you have a motorcycle, is at the Honda dealership in Portage. Uh, then later in the afternoon at the Co-op Home Center in Gladstone, that is going to be where there is a wind-up uh, barbecue and things like that. So talk to Dawson Sawatsky if you are interested. He is over there. Uh, June 12th, Sunday School Picnic. Uh, I've gotten an uh, affirmation that Bilal and Fatima uh, are going to be out, so I look forward to meeting them. Uh, there is going to be a, a provided barbecue uh, with hamburgers, the regular things, uh, and then uh, please bring a side or a dessert as far as the potluck side of things go. Uh, then on June 26th, McGregor Interdenominational Community Service is going to be at the arena. It'll be a wonderful time to worship uh, with United Anglican Bagot, West End, and Grace, and us all together worshiping God again. I look forward to that day. All right. Uh, any more announcements? All right. If everybody, if anyone has a barbecue and loves to barbecue, talk to Bethany. She will get you hooked up as far as the meats go. And that'll be a wonderful time for all of us. So if you have a barbecue, like to barbecue, talk to Bethany. Um, all right. Then moving on to items of prayer. Area of Manitoba where heavy rainfalls are uh, affecting, Minidosa comes readily to mind as far as places still that are heavily being flooded. Uh, so there are still a number. Even on happy days like this, there are still people that the rains and the snows and everything are putting in a very desperate situation. So we want to keep them in our prayers. Uh, Camp ministry, that's something we're going to keep in our prayers over the month to come, uh, just as things uh, start to rev up. And one more thing that I'll add on there, as many of you know, uh, Henry Dick passed away uh, and his funeral was this past week. And so we want to pray for the Sawatsky family as well. All right, then let's go into a time of prayer. Our God, we come before you this morning pleased about the weather and thanking you for it. God, we thank you that for the first time this year we are coming across weather where even though we thought we were dressed accordingly, we are turning out much too hot right now, and that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. God, we pray that the waters dry up. God, we pray that the water table falls down to a level that is more manageable. But at the same time, after the droughts that came before, we still thank you that the waters have come. God, we look forward to being able to see the farmers out finishing their seeding, and we look forward to when that comes. But at the same time, we put this before you and thank you as well. And God, now we also want to pray for the camp ministries that are across our province and more immediately to where we are to 
Valley View and to Circle Square. God, they do wonderful things. They teach wonderful lessons. They raise up a new generation for you. And we see that and we appreciate that. And so God, now as they are looking to rev up, we pray that you will put the people in their path, will be the volunteers for this summer, the people in their path who will maybe be more than that in the long term as well, for counselors and also for whatever staff is looking to be permanent. And we also pray for the finances to come in for all of the campers so that they can enjoy the time. And we also pray for the campers that after all of these years of not being able to have camp as we would readily think about it, that it will be a blessing to them through and through as they come. And God, we pray that they come in numbers never seen before. God, we put this before you. And God, we also want to pray for the things that are hard on our hearts. God, we want to pray for Henry Dick. We want to pray for the Sawatsky family. We thank you that the funeral went well. And now as they look to enter into this new stage for their family, God, we pray, give them the continued comfort that they need. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning. We pray them in your name. Amen. All right. But speaking of camps, we have a wonderful speaker with you this morning. He has, I have tried to get him out a number of times now, but lockdowns kept getting in the way. Uh, if you have not met him, you're about to meet a wonderful person. I'd like to ask Dan Ingram to come up. We are really excited to have camp again after what will be three years since we last did it. The campers were coming back, the groups were coming back. Uh, everything was amazing except for this one area called staff. They weren't coming back. And just to paint the picture a little bit, uh, we often get our staff through this thing called leaders in training. Valley, we call it LDP, we call it LIT. And that's where we train campers who are of age to become counselors. And for two years, we couldn't do that. So we're basically missing 20 uh, young people who would have been staff. To make it worse, we often recruit from youth groups who come to the ranch. They're captive audiences while they eat. I invite them to come and work. And that's the second pool, and we didn't have any retreats for two years. And the third area is visiting churches where we meet people. And also, we couldn't do that. And so you might say, well, what do you do when you can't find staff for two years? Uh, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it, because I'm going to talk a lot about that this morning. Uh, what I've discovered is panicking is not the solution. Uh, prayer is definitely helpful. And then this scripture that we're going to look at is really what helped me through. To make uh, things worse, we had a 10-person team year-round at Circle Square Ranch uh, to run all the retreats and uh, all the year-round ministry. And when nothing was happening, our young adults all left. And I don't blame them. Who would want to spend their winters out there with nobody coming? The people are what makes that enjoyable. And so we went from 10 to 3. It was my wife and I and uh, one of their staff for the whole site, which was fine when nobody was coming. But now everybody's coming. So this seems like an impossible situation. And fortunately, God specializes in impossible situations. Just to explain a little bit more how impossible 
things were the last two years. Uh, so Camp Ministry has a ridiculous business plan. So if you're a business person, don't do this plan. Uh, the whole thing depends on about 30 teenagers, usually 16, 17-year-olds, saying yes to long hours and low pay. That's the business plan. Without those 30 young adults or youth, it doesn't work. You can't have the campers. And our, our camp uh, depends on uh, revenue from uh, overnight retreats, uh, overnight camps, overnight retreats, and donations. And for two years, we only had donations. And so how do you do that? Well, it's a longer story. I explained that in my last two visits. But God did provide enough resources miraculously, and more than enough. We built some cabins at the same time and a deck. Uh, it was fine. The finances worked out. And God grew my faith incredibly in how he can provide in an impossible financial situation. But what about this current staffing crisis? Uh, how would God come through in that way? Uh, you've all probably heard the pleas from camps in the, in the days past. You know, we need staff. We're desperate. Uh, pretty well every, every June and maybe July, you'll hear, hear that. So, so it's easy to say, you know, the, the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that over and over. And that is true. We're always in need of staff. But this is an exasperated situation by two years. And I, I hope you get a sense of how hard it is uh, with all these restrictions and what that meant. So I've been reading the, the Bible through um, cover to cover uh, during the pandemic. And in 2022, I'd finished uh, by, the, by January 1st. And I thought, should I put this on the shelf or go through again? And I'd, I felt led by God to grab my highlighter and go through a second time uh, reading the Bible through uh, this year. Now, to be honest, if you've done this, uh, you really will enjoy Genesis. And Exodus is quite exciting in the beginning. But then when you get halfway through Exodus, uh, there's a lot of detail, uh, laws, rules. Leviticus is challenging, and then uh, Numbers becomes more interesting later as the narrative uh, gets going. And maybe the first time through, I kind of skimmed a little bit through uh, halfway of Exodus into Leviticus. But this time I promised with my highlighter I was not going to skim it. I was going to find something new and powerful. And I did. And that's what we're looking at this morning. So in Exodus, until the passage that we read this morning, um, obviously the people of Israel have been rescued from slavery in Egypt. Uh, they've been provided with enough food and water. And they've received the Ten Commandments. So God has given instructions on how they should be the people of God and demonstrate his image to the world. Now everything's going quite well and he's laid out some plans for worship until the most embarrassing golden calf incident where the people trade the living God who's doing these miracles and providing for all their needs for a golden cow. And what's amazing to me is despite this really huge mistake, uh, God actually still enacts his plan to build the tabernacle. So what was the tabernacle? It was a movable tent space uh, where God would offer his very presence to the people and so they can come to know, know him and be with him. 
The tabernacle was God's plan. The temple was not. And a little pause here, because we've done our, uh, our camp banquets here. Your church building is a great example of a tabernacle uh, in many ways, because you can move things around, right? Everything's not stuck in one place. And that was God's idea with the tabernacle. Uh, it, could, it would move with the people, it would go, it could flex, it could travel. And the temple is not like that, and the temple was not God's idea. It's kind of stuck in stone and couldn't move very much. So God's more into wilderness camping, and I am too. I don't know why I'm a camp director at a uh, stationary site, but that's what the tabernacle was. It was a mobile uh, tent worship center. So that's sort of the context, and it's a really amazing news that God still wanted to be with his people and for them to worship him and know him. And in chapter 35, verse 1, uh, God needs to get all the supplies to build the tabernacle. He says, take a sacred offering to the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present gifts, gifts to the Lord. And in verse 21, it says, all those whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. Both ben went men and women, all whose hearts were willing. So the sense here is they needed all the supplies uh, and here they were traveling in the desert and all they had was what they had brought from Egypt at this point. And God doesn't say you must give it. He says, if your hearts are stirred, uh, come and bring what you have. And it says all those whose hearts were stirred. So something about the heart response was really important to God and how his worship space uh, came to be. And Paul reflects this also in 2 Corinthians 7 where he says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give, not reluctantly or under pressure, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this was the sense that was happening. And uh, verse 29 in Exodus 35 sums it up. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work of the Lord, had given them through Moses, brought their gifts, and gave them freely to the Lord. So pretty amazing. God leaves it to the people's hearts to respond. They all respond, and everything is coming in. And this would be a great time now to pause and do an offering for the camp. Um, but like I said, my concern when I read this was not uh, financial resources. I've seen God do that amazingly in the last years. Uh, my concern when I read this was about people. I know God can provide uh, money. Can he provide people? And that's where this passage continues. In verse 25, the first people that are provided are the women who are skilled in sewing and spinning and preparing blue, purple, and scarlet and fine thread, fine linen thread. So these are the first people that emerge to use these resources. And everything in the tabernacle is supposed to preview uh, Jesus. And I was, I was, as I reflected this on this passage at Easter, I was thinking about Jesus' linen cloth, his, the fine linen cloth, first brought in the tabernacle, is now realized by Jesus in his resurrection. Everything in the tabernacle had significance and importance, and these women were doing something really important. But then in verse 30, where we started our reading, uh, it says, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bezalel with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. So what really hit me about this was God handpicked this guy, Bezalel, and great job reading, by the way. These are hard names 
Ohaliab and Bezalel. I've got some practice on it. Uh, he handpicks him. And it, it's amazing that he has a special appointment. And then the Spirit of God, so God's very presence, fills him so he could do these tangible things with his hands. Wisdom and ability. He seemed to be able to do everything. Sometimes there's a, a, a tendency in our churches to overemphasize some spiritual gifts like preaching, uh, music, uh, other things, prayer ministry. Uh, but here in Exodus, it says that the Spirit of God fills Bezalel for practical things, working with his hands. And if you're Mennonite, which many of you might be, this is great news because you seem to be great at working with your hands. Unfortunately, I grew up in the city in Halifax, and I, great, I have great hope from this, but this is, I'm not Bezalel. <laughs> so if you stopped here, you might begin to think that God handpicks superstar, uh, spirit-filled, solo uh, workmen, craftsmen. But that's not true. Because in verse 34, we learn the Lord has also given Ohaliab, son of Asamach, and that they have the ability to teach and train others. So right from the very beginning in God's plan for worship, there's partnership, these two men together, and their skill, skills are filled with the Spirit, so God is empowering them, uh, and he's equipping them. And to become an expert, apparently it takes 10,000 hours of, of practicing something. And so they seem to be experts in everything, so they've also put in the hard work. But it's not all up to them, it's about them training others and all of a sudden, we have a picture of this whole group of people who are empowered to do the work of building the tabernacle. And all of us are, have been given gifts and abilities that the Holy Spirit wants to fill and empower, not just for us to do stuff, but also to train other people. It's always about training and equipping the next generation. So all this was really encouraging for, for me to think about as I was thinking about how does God provide the right people with the right skills to do the task before us, which is to run summer camp. But that wasn't the part that really got me when I was studying this. It's the last part. While these guys are trying to do their work and these women are doing their work, they get a major distraction because the people kept bringing all their donations and offerings. And they kept doing it so much that the men had to, and the women had to stop their work and to tell Moses to tell them to stop bringing all these valuable things because they were spending all their time going back and forth to MCC to get rid of all the stuff. How's that for a culturally appropriate uh, connection? Right? There's too much stuff gathering in the foyer now at the worship center that they need to redirect their time and energy. And three times in the passage we see the language of more than enough. Uh, the craftsmen leave their work and they say that the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded. And then Moses says, don't prepare any more gifts, we have more than enough. So the people stop bringing their sacred offerings, their contributions were more than enough to complete the project. More than enough. Often when words are, are repeated in scripture, it's really important and we need to pay attention. Often when words are repeated in scripture, 
We need to pay attention. Didn't get that quite right, but God wants to get our attention when he says things over and over and over. And three times really means pay attention to this. There is so much that there's more than enough. There's an abundance, a superabundance, an excess. And it's all because people's hearts were stirred to respond to the thing that God was doing. And they couldn't help themselves but bring their gifts. So that is the part that I found incredibly encouraging. And when I began to think about scripture, this is not the only, only story where there's an overabundance of more than enough uh, going on. I was thinking about the feeding of the 5,000. There was 12 basketfuls left over. The feeding of the 4,000, there were seven basketfuls of bread left over. I was thinking about the, the great catch of fish. The boats were so filled, there was more than enough fish that the boat was capsizing. And I was thinking about uh, the baptism in, in, in Pentecost. They had a baptismal service with 3,000 people. That's more than enough people uh, to have a baptismal service, right? Usually you only need a few, 3,000. More than enough. And I really began thinking about this idea of God as the one who is more than enough. When he is at work and he stirs people's hearts, there's so much you don't know what to do with. And that's who God is. And yet often... I live in this not enough uh, world. So if you had three levels, there's the, the not enough, right? There's a scarcity mentality. And for me, I usually am thinking about not enough staff, not enough time, not enough money, not enough horses, not enough lifeguards. Uh, you fill in the blank for your own context, not enough. And then in the middle, you have the enough. Every need supplied, often it's just in time and just enough but it's good. And then there's the more than enough. And this is where God lives, and we don't usually live, where he's more than enough in every way to fill all of our needs. And I began to think about God who is more enough, kind of reaching down into our existence where we feel not enough, and kind of pulling us up into the place of enough. But there's this gravitational pull from uh, where he wants us to be, I think he wants us to live in the enough place where often we feel pulled down to not feeling enough, both as a, as a church and as a community and as individuals. God is more than enough all the time and in every way. And that is clear all the way through scripture, not just in this passage. So how does that apply to camp and this great crisis of staff? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's an exciting story. This is all developed in the last month. So two of the most daunting um, areas for me in finding staff to run summer camp uh, were in the pool area. I was told by the lifeguarding society that it would be impossible to find a lifeguard because for two years they weren't training lifeguards. Said, not enough, scarcity, it'll be impossible. And I started to believe that until I read this passage about more than enough. And I remembered our first summer, we didn't have a lifeguard, and that was not fun. And then the next year, we had four. We had more than enough. I said, Lord, maybe just enough. One would be enough. And uh, the next, next week, our friend Art told his son, who was a youth leader in Winnipeg at a church, just made an announcement, and one of the kids said, I'm a lifeguard. I feel called. I'm going to go. 
And he also turns out to be a worship leader and quite a good counselor, we believe. So that was sort of the first thing that happened. And the next thing that happened was I had to learn how to run the pool. And this is the area I feel not enough myself. I really feel unprepared and unqualified. In Nova Scotia, there's no pools. You just jump in the ocean. Camps are always by the water, uh, ocean. And so having a pool and doing the mechanics and the chlorine and the alkalinity and all these things, uh, it's very overwhelming for me. But there was no one there. We, all of our year-round team had left. And I was the only man left to figure out the pool. So I signed up as a last resort to go to a pool operator's course in Winnipeg. I got there just as the class was about to begin. There's one seat in the room. I sat down, introduced myself to Jake, who was next to me. Jake said, oh, you work at a Christian camp. My, me and my wife and our family were sensing a call uh, to work at uh, in ministry. Um, can we do an interview tomorrow? And we've been searching for an operation manager and an office manager. Those are our two biggest holes. And uh, two days later, they came to visit with their family, and they've signed up to be our, uh, our new year-round team. So as my last-ditch effort, uh, I went to this course, and God provided more than enough. So that's the kind of thing that's been happening as I've been thinking about this scripture. And I'm just amazed at God for how he comes through. But what about the group of 30 uh, uh, youth and young adults we need? Well, the same thing that happened in this passage where God stirred people's hearts to respond and offer their gifts uh, continues to happen. I had a great visit in Winkler at a youth group and simply presented the needs. And that night, three um, young adults quit their jobs, told their bosses they were coming for the summer before they applied. None of them told me yet. I guess they were confident I would, I would hire them. <clears throat> and their bosses all said, we want you to do what God wants you to do. Your spots will be here in September. Go. And then we visited another, another school, uh, actually for people who have just moved to Canada with their families, and the same thing happened. There were three or four who felt stirred by God to come and offer their summers. So I found this passage to apply, and for God to be more than enough in this area of staff. And so the areas, the main areas where I think this applies, again, is uh, resources. Do we have enough money? People, do we have enough people? And time, do we have enough time? Where God is involved in building his church, there's nothing he can't do. Anything is possible. And I really do believe he wants to pull us up to the place of not enough, to the place of enough. But the last area now I'm still in and struggling with is myself as I stare at this pool. Uh, this couple's not coming till the fall. And uh, am I enough? Can I figure this pool out? Or is it going to be closed and green with skunks and frogs throughout the summer? Just how it looked last week. And that's where I really connected with a song called Gyra. And this is um, by Maverick City Music. Here's you look it up on Spotify. Jaira is God's name, uh, the one who provides. Jaira, you are enough. I will be content in every circumstance. He's forever enough, always enough, more than enough. I'm already loved, I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved, more than I can imagine. 
and that is enough. So I find this quite powerful. So in Jesus, because what he has done on the cross and through his resurrection, uh, we stand before God as enough. Right? We are loved, we are chosen, we're called. He looks at us and says, I, I see my son in you, you're enough. And often we don't see that in ourselves. We see our own um, inadequacy. We see the things that we're not good at. Uh, we wish we had more commitment, more confidence, more skills, more gifting, more devotional life, more patience, more obedience. We feel like we're not enough in many ways. If I'd grown up Mennonite, I'd probably be okay doing this pool. But I grew up in the city. So I may be comfortable preaching, but I'm not comfortable working with my hands. And so that's why I need Jesus to reach down and pull me up into the place of enough. But how about you? Uh, what would it look like uh, for McGregor EMC to live at a place of more than enough? Uh, we asked this question at Circle Square Ranch. What would it look like if we had more than enough uh, people, time, and resources? And we thought, well, we'd probably send a bunch of staff to other camps that were in need. And we'd probably help train other places. And it would be pretty amazing. So that's what we're thinking about. What would it look like if this happened here at McGregor EMC? More than enough people, time, and resources. I do believe God is able to do this. So I'd like to, to end with you spending a couple minutes on your own considering uh, what would it look like for you if you uh, had a sense of Jesus pulling you up from the place of not enough, whatever that is for you or your community, and putting you solidly in this place of enough. Basically, he shares out of his excess so that we can be pulled into the place that we need to be. It's a practice I try to do a couple minutes uh, almost every day, usually when I return from the pool. <laughs> and I say, how am I going to do this, Lord? And then someone will come and help me, and it's enough. It works. So I'd like to just give you a space for, for about, I know it would feel like a long two minutes, but just ask Jesus in, quietly in prayer uh, what he wants you to do or, and how he, will, how he will pull you up from the place where you're not feeling enough. And then I'll close after that.
Jesus, we praise you that you are more than enough. And you can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Uh, we live down here in the not enough uh, world. We often struggle believing that you will provide enough people and time and resources. And that in ourselves, we question if uh, we are enough for what's in front of us. But just as you filled uh, Bezalel and Ohaliab, the women and the community, uh, to build the tabernacle for your worship, I pray that you would fill uh, each of us and the people here of McGregor EMC. Fill them with your spirit and use the gifts that they have to increase your worship and expand your kingdom. And we're grateful that uh, you did complete that project and all went as hoped. And we pray that that would happen for us also, that the, the plan and purposes you have uh, for McGregor EMC, for Circle Square Ranch, all the things before us would happen just as you have in mind. And so we need your help. Would you pull us up with your strong right arm from the place of not enough to the place of enough. Help us to stand with you in this. And we look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's the scripture. That's what I believe to be true. And yet we still are in a place of needing some people. And so I'll plant the seed now with you in case there's someone here who would fill these particular opportunities. We really need a registrar to process uh, campers. Um, assistant cook. We really need somebody to be an assistant cook. And we do see, still need some more uh, female counselors. We have more than enough male counselors. I don't know how this all, all worked out, but uh, female counselors. So, and uh, pray for Danielle and I. We're in this in-between time because we have the help coming in the fall, which has greatly increased our faith. And yet uh, we have this thing called summer camp to do beforehand uh, without our ministry partners. So both of us are covering kind of two roles. So pray for us. And uh, next weekend is the day of prayer for camp. And so remember us on Sunday to pray for us and for Valley View and the other camps. Uh, it's been three years, it'll be three years uh, since we last did overnight camp. And it's a lot to remember how to do that. Uh, that's a long time. And uh, kids are coming back. There's a huge interest and demand. And uh, this last piece is coming together too. But we need your prayers uh, because God is the one who will stir hearts and help people respond. So I think prayer has a key, key role in that. And thanks again for, for being here. I'm encouraged to see so many people. A couple of you are like, oh, a lot of people are away. But this is, after speaking to the sound guy and to Pastor Russell, this is so encouraging. And I uh, would love to connect with you after. Just close with this last uh, blessing. Now to all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.
thank you so much for sharing. Reminded of the first time uh, we showed Noelle around the place and we pulled up in front of the old time village and just her eyes were, <laughs> didn't quite know what to do with it. Oh, she talked about that for a good long while. Our benediction today is from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our Lord.